Hey friends, you're tuned in to the Learn or Be Learned podcast, a show where wisdom meets curiosity in order to discover the human experience. I'm your host, Shiva D, and remember, you either learn from or you're learned from. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back, friends, to another great episode. This is the book episode, or what I like to call the Editorial Whisper series, basically a book episode, on the Ikigai journey, right? So there's the Ikigai book, which is more philosophical and facts and stuff like that. And this one is by the same authors, but it's more practical. And I actually started with this one first. I'll probably go backwards and then do an episode on that, maybe. But I wanted to do this episode because... I wanted to see the actual points of what I need to do and the takeaways. And there's actually a lot. There was 35 key factor points. And don't don't worry, don't stress. I'm not going to go through all 35. I actually picked five of the most important ideas here. But you're probably not surprised because you saw it in the title. Now I feel a little dumb for saying it, but I'm going to keep it in. I'm not going to edit this out because I think it's a little funny. But we're going to keep going, right? So... So let's dive deep into it. These handpicked five transformative, these are the five handpicked transformative keys from this philosophy of the authors, which small backstory, they traveled to Japan, saw that people's life expectancy was higher, happiness was greater, and they wanted to understand why. So they did a lot of research and that's where the Ikigai book comes from. And Ikigai is a really important idea of finding the interdisciplinary connections between what you love to do what you need to do what makes you money and something else but like I said that's for another episode where maybe I'll go more into the philosophy of the book and of the concepts but here let's jump right into the five key takeaways takeaway one new habits 21 days to change your life with one habit at a time right so it takes about 21 days or so to build a habit So in the Ikigai philosophy, they emphasize the significance of dedicating 21 days to implementing a positive new habit. And why 21 days? Well, it's believed that this is the time it takes to break old patterns and establish a new one. And I think Atomic Habits says about 30. So we're talking about three to four weeks of consistent doing to create a new habit. And think about the habits that you've been wanting to adopt. Maybe it's meditation, maybe it's journaling, maybe it's drinking more water, right? You need to commit the next 21 days to this and you'll see transformations begin. And like in Atomic Habits, James Clear talks about compound growth. So obviously you're not going to see any changes on the first day that you drink a gallon of water or whatever your goal is, maybe not even the first month. But in a different episode, I talked about how the compound effect grows, right? So you'll see over time that in one month, you might not see the effects. In three months, you'll see the effects. In six months, you're friends and family will see the effects in one year the whole world will see your effect right so it takes time to have that compound growth and i wanted to dump into two or three just a few key tips that have helped me develop new habits one i'll just refer to as the proximity effect right so if i have a vitamin i need to take every day that i constantly forget I will put it next to the fridge or I'll put it next to my water bottle or my I'll put it on my desk somewhere there I somewhere I go every day that I'll see um, 
Actually, I loved this example from TimeWise by Amantha Imber. She suggested that you associate, this is, she was actually referring to gratitude, which could also be a habit, right? So that you're trying to develop. So her instance was that, for example, every time you put in the password to your computer, you have to say one thing that you're grateful for. You know, you can say it in your head, but that was her way of creating a habit from something something monotonous that she was doing all the time. And I thought that was really interesting because sometimes for me even to sit down and just start doing a gratitude journal is a bit, what is the word, foreign to me. I, you know, can't just sit down and do it because it's such a, there's resistance. And that's essentially why habits are difficult to build. It's, it's about finding where the resistance is and how to break that resistance. And for me, that idea helped so tremendously, which was the computer idea. That's, that's the exact way I like to do it. It takes five extra seconds, you know, just close your eyes, say something and move forward and it helps immensely. And obviously you don't have to do it all the time, but doing it as frequently as possible can help. And so proximity effect is huge. Associating it with something monotonous is a great idea, such as what Amantha Imber had suggested. Another one is, what is it called, habit stacking. James Clear refers to this as habit stacking, where let's say you brush your teeth every day, at least hopefully, right? (laughs) Anyways, you're brushing your teeth, and but you need to floss every day, and you're not flossing. Well, now you have it stack, and you floss immediately after brushing. So you can always stack habits with habits you're already doing in order to add new ones, right? Let's say you're always um, drinking a detox tea, or you're drinking some sort of tea, or, or you're drinking your coffee every morning, which I know is a big one for a lot of people. You're drinking your coffee every morning. That might be where you stack the habit to or take your vitamins right so whatever it is another last pointer that's really helped me is having a tracker getting in the habit i know for some people this doesn't work because that's a habit in itself to open the app every day but i got in the habit of opening the app every day because i check my calendar i check my email i'll check that app as well i have it stacked to that and then now it's second nature for me to open that habit app and then i'll have like 10 habits right like drink water make sure you drink this much water make sure you meditate make sure you read your you know read some pages in a book right so things like that and that's that those pointers have really helped me so number two we're going to jump right into the next point is prioritizing the important things over the urgent ones so actually two episodes ago i kind of referenced this and talked about the eisenhower matrix and so former U.S. President Eisenhower, obviously as a president, has a lot on his plate and a lot of people focus on the urgent and important category of the matrix. So there's four quadrants that he distinguishes tasks in. So imagine a square blocked into four parts, right? So top left, we have important and urgent. Top right, we have urgent but not important. Bottom left, we have important and not urgent. And then bottom right, we have not important, not urgent. And if you couldn't follow that, which is a little confusing, just Google the Eisenhower matrix and you'll see the diagram for yourself. But essentially we all try to force our stuff into quadrant one, which is important and urgent because it makes us feel accomplished. It makes us feel like we're getting somewhere. But oftentimes it's the stuff in the not urgent, but important category. So quadrant two that we neglect. So things like exercise would be considered important, but not urgent, right? Because one day of missing exercise is not gonna end the world. 
but it's that compound growth of doing the non-urgent stuff which is what builds character builds you right builds you to your better higher self so and and i think in our fast-paced world we're always prioritizing urgency and urgent things and it makes us feel better to clear our email inbox and things like that right but in the ikigai journey they teach us that we need to differentiate between what is urgent and what's truly important so remember not everything that demands your attention deserves it so take a moment reflect on the daily tasks and prioritize those that align you with your long-term goals and values Point three, recalling your life's greatest hits. I think this one is awesome. It's so important because I was talking to this friend about the idea of confidence and confidence is essentially developed through the idea of competence, right? A competent person is a confident person and how you develop competence is by having a stack of undeniable proof. I believe Alex Hermosi actually said this. Developing competence and therefore confidence is having a list of undeniable proof of essentially your life's greatest hits, right? Things that will remind you that I'm the man, or I'm the person, right? I'm the one that did all this. This is me, right? This wasn't you. This wasn't anybody else. Nobody dragged, nobody dragged me through that. That was me. You know, that kind of list is what you need. And if you don't have enough of that, then that should be your main goal if you're working on confidence, right? Because confidence comes from competence. You know, you might say, but Shiva, my my lack of confidence is in my appearance. It's from not, you know, dressing well or something like that, right? Well, in that circumstance, then that's a lack of competence in understanding your outer appearance. And this isn't to, you know, dog on you or, or you know, say something ill or negative about you. This is to open your eyes that there's always an incompetency that leads to a lack of confidence in something. And obviously insecurity is different from confidence, right? So if you have like a scar on your face or something like that's different or a scar on your arm that you're insecure about, let's say you have a scar on your arm that you're insecure about, you know, that's slightly different um, than the idea of incompetency, right? That's a, that's an idea of, that's a whole nother topic that's about letting go and, and things like that. It's a, that's a more mental game. But what we're talking about here is things that can be fixed to enhance your competency to enhance your confidence. Which the list of recalling your life's greatest hits will for sure do. Right? So that's kind of where we are headed when we're not really talking about insecurities here. Um, but these are the moments of pride, achievement, joy, all these things that you know that you'll reminisce that you can reminisce about. These are the moments that will boost your morale but also remind us that we are capable that you know we are the ones that got through that and i think that's the part so whether so whether it was that promotion that you worked hard for or a personal project you completed or something that nobody thought you could do that you did or even something small a small act of kindness all of these are great hits the list will grow and this will grow your confidence with it and honestly, I believe this will also fuel your journey ahead. Number four, we got the digital detox. So the digital detox, establishing screen-free time. I think this is so important. I actually culprited this myself, needing more digital detox. I actually recently switched to reading on physical books. I used to read on my iPad 
And I'm like, oh, you know, this is convenient. I can have 50 books on an iPad. But what ended up happening was, you know, it's even more time on a screen. It's dry, like draining my, there's that mental fatigue of always looking at a blue light screen and stuff. So it's actually been really calming to read from an actual book. The only downside is obviously it's a bit more expensive, but you know, libraries exist and things. So there is ways around that. Or you can do Audible, but you know, the whole point is to lower your screen usage because in the Ikigai journey, they stress the importance of establishing this screen free time and this virtual life free time slot in your day. You know, this isn't just about reducing the screen time, it's also about reconnecting with yourself, with nature, with the real world around you. Even if it's just for an hour a day, switch off your device, and I promise you, you'll find more engaging activities that ground you and show your true personality, right? Read a book, take a walk, just sit in silence, whatever it is. Actually, there's something you know, something I don't talk about often that you may not know about me is I love to draw. I used to be very creative in that endeavors of drawing, painting, things like that. And, you know, I guess I'm fairly good at it. I don't know. But the point is, I used to draw quite a bit as a kid, especially all the way into my early teens. And then obviously high school and college happened and you got other things to work on and things that are way more important and more, right, important and urgent, right? (laughs) But, you know, I actually recently, after a decade of not doing it, I drew for the first time, I think a couple weeks ago, I drew Scooby-Doo, if you're curious of what I was drawing. But I drew Scooby-Doo and your boy still got it low-key a little bit, but the point is I actually felt really at peace I felt like the hours were just melting away I could have spent the whole day on it and although I wish I could obviously I still got things to get back to so something from TimeWise the book I just finished they talk about having Sunday off or having a time period off to just relax and I'm still working on letting myself have a whole day off sometimes I can be working too hard um, always feeling like I need to catch up and then you burn out, right? So I'm really trying to adopt this idea of taking time off, especially as, you know, in the future, whenever I have a family and stuff, I'm going to have to spend time with them. So I'm going to have to learn how to allocate time off. So I'm trying to start drawing more on Sundays and it doesn't have to be drawing for you, but there obviously must be something that resonates in that regard of what I was speaking upon, right? For me, it's that flow state of, starting to draw I'm just so focused on that my mindfulness is all on the picture at hand and nothing else you know I'll put some music I will uh, grab an item I'll I'll google an item I want to draw or I'm still not at the point where I'll free draw I'll actually just watch something uh, especially because like I said it's been a decade since I got into it but you know for you maybe it's hiking maybe it's archery right whatever it is there's something for everybody that puts them in that flow state that mindfulness state and i think that's so important to take some time off and do that because it really grounds you and and this idea of grounding is very underrated because otherwise you'll burn out and i've done it i've burnt out i've done it before i i studied for the mcats and i learned how many subjects there's like eight subjects in the mcats and At that point in life, I had only finished three subjects in school and I learned five subjects on my own in a span of three months. So five semesters worth of subjects in three months and took eight hour practice exams weekly. 
And man, after I finished all that, I was so burnt out. I was working like 12, 14 plus hours a day studying. For those of you who are wondering how I did it, coffee and a Pomodoro timer helped. Pomodoro technique is essentially where you take 25 minutes of focused work, five minute break, do that four times, take a 30 minute break. And in those five minute breaks, I'll use the restroom, grab some water, do a couple push-ups. In the 30 minute break, I will lay in bed, watch some TV, listen to some music, close my eyes, take a quick nap, power nap if I absolutely have to. I'm not going to put lunch in that category because that then you're just completely overworking yourself. But the Pomodoro technique works really well as well. But anyways, detox, 100% digital detox is great. I highly recommend it. Absolutely great point in this book. Number five, and the last one of them all, is the joy of an unplanned journey. Here we have the idea of serendipity, which is an awesome word. Love that word. For those of you that are curious what it really means, it's basically letting events happen by chance in a happy or beneficial way, right? So it's something that you just let happen. I'm a big subscriber to the idea of creating plans but having flexibility in them. I don't like too much structure, but I need a little bit. That, that seems to be the sweet spot for me. So whether it's a vacation, I will map out the days and I'll map out what I would like to do. But let's say we're walking around and something better happens or something we see something that looks better. I'll go ahead and just drop it. It's not the end of the world. And obviously my calling is pushing me towards that direction and that's what I want, right? And isn't that the whole point of vacation is to do things that you wanna do. It doesn't have to be rigid structure. And I tend to follow that with a lot of things, except obviously structure matters in some regard, like goals and work, right? So just because I'll say, okay, I'm going to sit down and do an hour of this work. It's like, oh no, I'm going to go watch some Netflix because, you know, my calling is pushing me that way. Of course, your, your, your mind is telling you to go watch some Netflix. But so structure matters in some regard, but there needs to be also some flexibility. And I think that's honestly the essence of life because we can't control everything as much as we'd like to. Being okay with the idea of things aren't always being in our control. And I think part of the journey, the part of the enjoyment in our journey of life, our human experience is to travel without a destination. Sometimes I've heard this beautiful quote that life is like a dance. We like to think life is like a race from start to finish, but I love this idea that life is a dance because sometimes, sometimes the step might look like you're going backwards, but it's just a redirection, right? It's a transmutation from something. You're transmuted to something else. And that's the way I like to look at it. When I lost my opportunity at the CDC, I gave myself the day off, right? Obviously it was very upsetting when the pandemic took one of many opportunities for me, which was one of them being the CDC. And um, I gave myself the day. I think I got like Chick-fil-A or I, I, I don't know. I did something, I watched a movie, I took the day off. I was pretty upset. I gave myself the day off. You know, I gave myself the day off, I, but only one day right keep in mind you some people will sulk about things for a long time and you know i've been like that i've done that in the past i'm not saying i'm perfect but i've learned from to not do that type of stuff anymore so i gave myself the day off because obviously we're human and we need to recalibrate um sudden shock of ideas we're we're human right and part of the human condition human nature is not liking change so 
obviously you need to recalibrate. So I took the day off, you know, ate my favorite food, watched some TV, relaxed. And then the next day, right back at it, I was like, okay, what can I do from here? What is my next step that I can do to better my life? And that ideology has helped propel me without kind of sulking in things that go wrong because now I quite understand that life happens. Life happens for you, not to you, right? Everything I believe has a purpose and there's always a reason and sometimes you can't see what's on the other side of the hill and oftentimes it's better, right? Like I said, it's redirection. So, so you don't necessarily need to book a ticket to a whole new city or do something drastic to change your day to day, right? So it's like, well, Shiva, what can I do? This is a cool point, but how does this impact my life? I think little things like taking a different route home or taking a different route when you go on a walk trying a new hobby letting go of control in ways that in areas that you like control can be very interesting i have these friends they were former u.s olympians and they are the most spontaneous people and i loved it we were at a tony robbins leadership event and they were like okay there's a sumo wrestling thing happening i've never been let's go and most people didn't actually come with us it was just me and them and i was like I'm down. I've never experienced it. Let's do it. And it was absolutely not in my plan at all. And it was such a cool opportunity. It's cool time, time to bond with them. And it was, it was a great experience, right? So little things, right? Just let go of control and see what happens because I think sometimes you'll be pretty surprised. And although it was, you know, it was a, it was like what WWE, it was a, basically like a scripted performance. It wasn't really like the natural legit sumo wrestling but it was a really cool experience they got to they taught us words and meanings and the rules of sumo wrestling and then also we got to i got to bond with some some amazing people some people that i'm genuinely grateful that i got to meet so shout out tony i don't know if you'll ever watch this but shout out tony for for being awesome and and darcy you guys are great you're great people but anyways there you have it guys thanks for listening to the five transformative key points from ikigai journey to supercharge your personal growth remember life is a journey it's a dance it's not a destination and with ikigai philosophy you're equipped with a compass that will always point you towards growth happiness and fulfillment thank you for tuning in and if this resonated with you please share it like it if, this, if any of these key points you found value in or resonated with you, please share this with somebody that you think will also get value. And, and you know, I'm really grateful for the time you invested here, and I hope it provided you with some fruitful returns. So until next time, keep growing, guys. And remember, everybody, you either learn from or you're learned from. Thanks.